God bless you, fam. Thanks so much once again uh, for your giving. It's preaching time now. I've been out of the pocket for two weeks, so you know when I come back, I usually come back swinging pretty hard. A couple, couple jabs, a couple uppercuts is coming because I got one today. I am very, very excited about what the Lord has to, has to say to us. So I would ask that you just give me, give me a little bit of time to, uh, to conversate and open up some things that I feel like that, that we do need to discuss. We are still, however, in uh, as it is. <clears throat> this has been our uh, yearly uh, discussion, our yearly topic uh, on the kingdom us understanding uh, and ha ha having a greater uh, grasp on uh, what what this kingdom is, or what what exactly we are part of. What's what's the benefits? What does it look like to navigate this kingdom? Uh, what does it look like to how I know I'm winning in in the kingdom? Like what what does that what does that even look like? Uh, Pastor Anthony did an amazing job over the past uh, two weeks, uh, just walking us through more of the commonwealth concept and the, the vastness of wealth that's available to us, but then also to recognizing that there is a uh, stewardship responsibility that I have because God's not just going to open up just this this canvas of, of overabundance and I don't have some kind of working system as to how I can show that uh, I know how to deal with increase. I know how to calculate. I know what's going in and what's going out. I got a sense of awareness. I have a sense of shrewdness. I'm wise in, in my dealings. So that's what he was uh, talking us through and it was an amazing time. I'd invite you to go back over the previous two weeks. You can find that uh, on our Facebook page or whenever you get some time to uh, catch yourself up, allow the Lord to uh, instruct you in that. I'm going a little bit of a, of a different route. We, we are still in, in uh, as it is, but um, <clears throat> I just felt uh, that there was a strong, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, just uh, uh, I guess just a, a strong moment, I'll call it, that, that I had before God where he, he wanted to uh, make us aware uh, of some decrees uh, that have been spoken over us, uh, of, of things that have been mouthed over us by him and that did not come from him. So we'll sure and see the remedy of how do I escape the prison of what's been said over me that does not fit the profile of heaven about me. Because heaven has a profile for everybody now. I need you to recognize that. Remember, that's the home country. That's the kingdom. And everyone before you leave home, there's a profile that's been written about you concerning your assignment, concerning your identity. And so the profile never changes because the profile is written by the one who created and manufactured it. So when I cross over into time, and then I hit that brain lapse. Well, I can't remember the fact that I'm a spirit who possesses a soul and, and lives in a body. I have a hard time remembering that, so I have to, I have to uh, reconnect with the kingdom. I have to have that reignited within me. But a lot of times throughout the, the, the process of time of, of me making my way into the earth, 
me receiving salvation, making my way back into the kingdom, there's a lot of things that may have been said over us that don't match the profile of heaven. So where we're going today, uh, I, I invite everybody starting in. I got, I got a few scriptures. I'm going to start in Genesis 1. I invite you all to do the same. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, Psalm 8, 1 Chronicles 4. Okay, Genesis 1, Psalm 8, 1 Chronicles 4. Okay, my, sub, my subtitle for today is Kingdom Narrative. Kingdom Narrative. The Kingdom Narrative. Family, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm feeling this one. You ready with the fingers? Because it's coming. It's coming. Kingdom narrative. There's a rearranging that's about to happen within our lives within these next few moments. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this time that we've had in your presence. Your presence is so rich, so beautiful, so wonderful. Never want to take it for granted. Never want to act like I deserve to be here. I only got access because of you. Because of your great love toward us. We only love because you first loved us, the Bible says. I didn't know how to do it until it was shown to me. And so I thank you for that. We thank you for this time that we're about to embark within your word. I thank you, Lord, for the strength that is about to come forth out of this time. So I'm trusting that horses and chariots, but we recognize that our miracle deliverance cannot be won by a man. So we trust and we boast in the name of the Lord our God who makes us strong who gives us victory. I thank you, God, for your strength that is about to come forth from this word. I thank you, God, that every weary soul is about to be lifted up. Every weary heart and weary mind is about to be lifted up. Every anxious soul and anxious heart. As to the when is this going to change? When is that going to change? I thank you that there's a peace that is about to rest over us, while at the same time a massive liberation and deliverance. I thank you that everybody walk away from this time and from this moment stronger than when it first began, including the one holding the microphone. Thank you for this time, Holy Spirit. Teach us, challenge us, instruct us, encourage us, shift us who we need to be in Jesus' name. If I got some agreement, somebody say amen. 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 Let's do a little bit of work. Kingdom narrative. Thank you, Ryan. Kingdom narrative. Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. I'm about to go to uh, the classic scriptures. We've hit these scriptures quite a few times uh, throughout this series because they are a bedrock foundation for uh, when it comes to understanding who we have been called to be uh, within the context of the kingdom, how you were made, how you were created. So we're going to uh, verses 26 to 28. Then I'm going to read uh, Psalm 8, uh, verses 3 through 8. So Tristan, if we could go ahead and get that, please. Thank you. Genesis 1, 26 reads as follows. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27, so God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So we have a species, man, we have two models, male and female. Verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, check it, God bless them. Hold on to that word. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the inaugural declaration from God concerning man. He makes us an image and in likeness like him. So you can all, you can say that he looked in a mirror to get a glimpse of himself, turned and made man in that image and in that likeness after he makes man in that image and in that likeness and puts us in God class stature he fruitful and multiply and then this planet that I have put you on you're going to feel it you're going to reign over it and you're going to have that legislative dominion type authority over the affairs of where I'm placing you and you're going to model it after what I do in heaven that's the profile that he gave to man. Give, give me uh, Psalm 8, Tristan, please. Psalm 8, verse 3. Starting at verse 3. This is the Passion Translation. Look at the splendor of your skies. This is uh, David talking to God. Your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and at your stars, mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, check it, I have a question. I have to ask you this question. So all of that that I see, all this vastness that I see, it makes me wonder something. Next verse. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with Adam's sons? Next verse. Yet what honor you have given to men. Created only a little lower than Elohim. Crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You have delegated to them mastery. Check it. Mastery over all that you have made. Making everything, making everything subservient to their authority. Placing earth itself. On the defeat of your image bearers. I can't, you know. Last verses. All the created order in every living thing of the earth, sky, and sea, the wildest beasts and all the sea creatures, everything. Every, I said everything. Is in submission to Adam's sons. We're going to stop and camp right there for a moment before we head on to 1 Chronicles. I read that, family, because I need us to be reminded, be jolted, have that sense of vitality and energy put back within us once again of the stature to which you have been called by God to dominate in. Yet, 
for some reason, we have this propensity as humanity. I'm, I'm there too. I'm talking to me too. This ain't me talking to someone as if I have arrived and you have not. We're conversating together. This is a conversation. We have this propensity as humanity to take things that happen around me. To take situations that hit me in the face, problems and issues, things that cause me pain, and I will look at that and let it have the final say. I will look at those situations, I will let them have the final say, and then in letting them have the final say, I will bring myself to a lower dimension than what I have been called. Because all things have been made subservient to the authority of man. It's been crowned with glory and honor. Kings and queens in their magnificence. Rise up. Be the image bearer, God says. And making me the image bearer, the one who holds the authority, the one who's been delegated to rule, the one that's been delegated to manage, gave me that before I had a problem. Yet for some reason, I catch amnesia as soon as I have a problem as if the order has been reversed and the problem was there first. A, there, there, is, there is a law that we can find in Scripture that's called the law of first things. The law of first things implies and gives the understanding that whatever was there first is what holds greater precedence. You don't believe me. In the beginning, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So who was there in the beginning? God. Who was there prior to beginning? Because remember, beginning is a time factor. He does not exist in time. He was there to start beginning. Come on. I need you, I need you coming with me. I told you I was coming. I had two weeks off, so I got, I got, I got to bring it to you. He's prior to beginning. So therefore, when it comes to the law of first mention and first things, all things come back to God for he is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and the end. He is the first and he will be there and be in the last. And it's all encompassed and encased inside of him because all things find their existence in him. First things. So since he's there first, there's nothing else that will come after him to try and dethrone or knock off what he said first. Can I tell you that what God has said about you got first dibs on you? What God said about you got first dibs. Because you got to understand, there was no such thing or concept of problem, issue, circumstance, I don't have enough, operation over you or been there. None of that had space or credence before the declaration over you of being an image bearer, being one created in the image, being one created in the likeness, being one that has authority and crown with glory and honor. None of that other stuff existed before God got a chance to say, this is who you are. This is who you are. So because of the law of first mention and what it is that we are talking about in kingdom narrative, I need you to understand that there was a narrative that got to you first. Now, million dollar question. Let's talk for a minute. What is a narrative exactly? 
What's a narrative exactly? A narrative is a storyline. Okay? Narratives are a storyline. Oh, let me read it straight from the dictionary. A way of presenting or understanding a situation or series of events that reflects and promotes a particular point of view or a set of values. A way to, to, to present a story, present a situation, presenting something based off of a certain set of values. Based off of a certain set of values. Everyone on the planet has a narrative about you. There is a narrative that has been given about you. And most of the time, the narrative comes to uh, life and comes to credence when you're not around. Because it is, it, is, it is the point of view from this party to that party about what they see with you. That is the narrative that is given. And I want us to explore the, the multiple narratives that have gone on about us. First, I wanted us to look at, gain a sense of, gain a, a or have your faith reignited and, 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 and re-put back within you of the original narrative that was put on you. Blessed and highly favored, created in his image and in his likeness. Man, give, give me uh, verse 4 of Psalm 8 again. Tristan, I'm going to read this again. Verse 4. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with Adam's son? Stop right there. Don't go anywhere. That, that very description of us being puny mortal man or being infatuated with Adam's sons. That, that kind of statement right there, I like, I like how David did that because what David has done is he has given us access to a narrative. He's given access to the narrative that has been told about Adam's sons. That's, that is one side of the narrative, being puny, being mortal, being common, being average, being less than, being only able to come up to this amount, being able only to achieve this much. Have you ever felt like that's been some kind of narrative or something that's been put on you that kind of kept you at this glass ceiling and kept you from being able to achieve and do what it is that you know that your heart was crying out for God that God has called you to do? That's what this is talking about. Give me verse 5, please. But let's catch the other one. Yet what honor you have given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. Next verse. You have delegated to them. Catch this, family. Catch this. I need, I need you note-taking. I need you saying it with me while I say it. Whatever you got to do to catch the understanding of that there's been an original narrative written about you. You have delegated to them mastery over all you have made, making everything subservient to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Next one. Thank you. All the created order and every living thing of the earth, sky and sea, the wildest beasts and all the sea creatures, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. That 
is you. And that is the narrative that has been written about us and the profile that comes from heaven concerning our life. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter who did what, who did not do what. There is a narrative that has been written about you and it has been set before the ages and the foundations of the world were set and laid in place. And in the name of Jesus, I am calling you to arise to that stature and arise to the place in which God has called you to be now is the time you have been born for such a time as this and now is the time for you to rise up as an image bearer and walk in that delegated authority that you have been given and make everything around you subservient to the will and to the way of God concerning your life and in the name of Jesus may there come a fresh grace and fresh anointing over your life that rises you up in a sense of greater confidence rises you up in a sense of greater energy rises you up in a sense of greater competence and a greater awareness that greater is he that is in me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and there are certain things in life that I do not have to put up with and I refuse to let my situation circumstance or mindset outside of the plan and purpose of God tell me what my tomorrow is going to look like that's the narrative the kingdom narrative but there is another one there is another narrative that has been written. And the other narrative um, can be so sneaky and be so covert in its operation as to how it makes its way into uh, the recesses of our soul and begins to steer and navigate our life in ways to where when we turn around, we're asking the question, how in the world did I get here? What happened to where I am responding in such a way and responding to such a degree to where I don't even really know who I am anymore? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. First Chronicles chapter 4. First Chronicles chapter 4. If you're being blessed so far, type amen for me. Type amen. Big letters. It lets me know that you're yelling it. Makes me feel better. Amen. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 4. Starting, starting in verse 1. Is a, most of the time, well, where we're going is a pretty uh, populous um, couple of scriptures. But wanted to start uh, a little bit earlier. And y'all uh, give me space with these names that I'm about to say because I don't know none of these people. So I never had them say their name <laughs> to me. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Her, and Shobal. Next verse. And Rhea, the son of Shobal, begot Jehath, and Jehath begot Ahumai and Lahat. These were the families of the Zorathites. These were the sons of the father of Ethan, Jezreel, Ishma, Idbash. And the name of their sister was a long one. Next verse. <laughs> and Penuel was the father of Gedor, and Ezer was the father of Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Erathith, the father of Bethlehem. Next verse. 
And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Heli and Nare. 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 Whichever one it is. For him, uh, Ahuzam, Hefer, uh, Timini, and another long one. These were the sons of Nahat. The sons of Hila were Zareth, Zohar, Ethan, verse 8. Cause begot a nub, Zobeba, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Harun. Verse 9. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, <clears throat> saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Give me, uh, give me verse 9, Tristan, and we're just going to camp out right there for a few moments. Now you might be asking, why in the world did you read all those previous verses with all those names that you can't pronounce. I wanted to do that so that we could get a full scope and understanding that we're talking about the, uh, the family of Judah. And it's interesting in verse 9 that the Bible thought it fit to, to say that uh, Jabez was more honorable than all his brothers. Verses 1 through 8 talks about all his brothers. And I wanted to read that because it is, it is reflective of the fact that sometimes there can just seem like there is just this clutter of commonality. Because mo all of those verses, I'm pretty sure, most of us have never heard of those characters. Most of us never heard of them, don't know who they are, don't know what was going on, don't know what was happening with them. Yet out of the, the ashes of that commonality, out of the muck and mire of all this averageness, there was somebody that was there whom the Bible says was more honorable, had something on his life, had something special about him, had something strong that was, that was inside of him. And I wanted to let you know through prophetic utterance that that's you. That that's you. That despite all the, the commonality and despite all of the things that are around you that seem like it's average and seem like it's not going nowhere and seem like there's nothing uh, really attached to it, that there is something that God has placed within you and there's something that God has called you up to and there's a narrative that your life has got to be elevated up to and we see this being displayed within Jabez because we see from verse 9 that the that scripture saw it fit to tell us that he was more honorable than his brothers he was more honorable than his brothers now I looked at that, I looked at that word uh, honorable because it's akin to the word from the Old Testament, uh, kabod, which is glory. So Jabez had a, in comparison to his brothers, there, there, was, there was this sense of heaviness that was on him. There was, there was something that was strong on his life, almost as if there was a hand. <laughs> 
almost as if there was a hand that was on his life. So, so here he is, born on, into the scene of the world. Innocent baby. Innocent child. Grows up, has this density, has this purity and this innocence that is placed upon him by, by divine design. By divine design has this glory that rests on him for being an image bearer and being one that is created in the image and likeness of God. He comes on the scene being more honorable, having that glory that rests on him. But although the glory has created a narrative for him, he has been incarcerated and encased by another one before he even gets a chance to live out the narrative that the glory has put on him. Because he is, he is more honorable than his brothers, but the name that he was given, the name that he was given was an attempt by the next narrative to come and to choke out. What had already been decreed over him? Let's look at it. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So Jabez has this greater density on his life compared to his brothers. So not that his brothers did not have honor, not that his brothers didn't have a, a, a density or glory on their life. It's just Jabez was at the top when it came to being with his brothers. But he, 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 he uh, let me see where I'm at. Density in his life compared to his brothers, and yet he has been incarcerated before birth by the lack of judgment from his mother. She imprisons him through what is called labels and stigmas. Labels and stigmas. So Jabez has this glory. Let's look at this now. Jabez has this glory that has built a narrative about him. The profile, the profile of heaven, the profile of heaven that has encased him before he got here. Remember that no one gets into the earth on accident. You don't just get here because you want to be here. You have to be assigned here. Once you show up, there's an assignment that you must do. But with his name, Jabez. I gave him this name because I bore him in pain. So based off of the experience that I have had with him, his mother, perhaps, perhaps to uh, 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 no thought of, of hers, I would like to think that that's probably not the case because at that time names meant a lot. Names carry a great sense of weight. And that's why for anybody that's watching this, uh, you're, you're thinking about having a child. You're on your way to having a child. You're thinking about getting married, having a family. You must be extremely 
cautious and understanding of the name that you give your children because locked within the name is a sense of identity because every day you will call them that. So every day the mother calls him pain, calls him sorrow. Every day. Every day he is called pain, he is called sorrow, and he is given this name and given this identity, that this false identity, if you will, but it is given to him to encase him into the monotony of not being able to, to truly express what it is that he knows is inside of him. That's why I drew it like this, because now the glory has gone from being something that supposed to be put on display and for him to walk and be proud of it because God gave it to him because not now it's going to be an encased inside to where now he keeps hearing pain and sorrow he keeps hearing things said about him that are negative he keeps hearing things said of him that are no fault of his own and that he couldn't help but somewhere out of all of that clutter and out of all that's being said he said I know that there's something more that's inside of me I know that there's something that's greater inside of me I don't understand this feeling that I'm feeling but it don't match what mama keep telling me it don't match what she keep calling me and although something like that might have been said I know that there's something more inside of me so I gotta do Whoa! it's not matching what I'm seeing here and around me Whoa! family I know I'm talking right with this one I know who I'm talking to I know you have the heartbeat of greatness inside of you. I know you got it. I have it. And you would not be connected to my wife and I if you did not have that same heartbeat. Locked inside. I know there's something greater that I've been called to. I know that there's a sense of greater, a sense of more, a sense of abundance that I am supposed to operate in. It is mine. It has been given delegated authority, property of Jermaine. Yet, and yet at the same time, there is something else on the outside that tries to encase and tries to talk me out of what I know is inside. Of what I know is inside. So he's given this label based on the experiences that have been thrust upon him. Now let's talk about let's talk about labels. Talk about stigmas. Y'all all right? Label. Let's define that. A label. In in my in my research I was doing, a one-to-one designation or societal identifier that says that you can only go here or you can only go there. You can only enter this kind of room. You can only afford this. You can only go this far. You only go to these kind of restaurants. You only shop in these areas. You only drive this kind of car. You only work this kind of job. These are, these are things that are placed on us by society in an attempt to encase and gather us in separate groups as to how to identify 
So that's what, that's what comes first. The label. The label. Ain't nobody ask no questions. I'm just going to label. Nobody takes the time to, to, to ask the question. Figure out who I am. Where I come from. What's, what's really going on within me. I will take what I see. And take, and take it. And place the label. So that when I look at you. I have a sense of expectation of what's coming. Now, problem with that is, whenever a label becomes culturally universal or, or is never challenged, what happens is it moves from being the one-to-one -one designation and just one person to where now it starts to include an entire collective of people. So not everybody that looked like that, y'all not talking to me, Everybody that looked like that drive this car. Everybody that looked like that in and out of prison. Everybody that looked like that only live on this side of town. Everybody that looked like that have those kind of problems. And now we have moved because now it's culturally universal. It has not been challenged. We moved from it being a label to a stigma, to where now it encases, it brands, it stereotypes. Stigma literally means to fill in the gaps. So I'm not going to take no time to figure out who you are. I'm not going to take any time to figure out what, what, your, uh, what, what your pros and cons are, uh, what you like, what you don't like, who you are as an individual and as a person, who as an image bearer. I'm not going to take no time for that, so I'm going to let my mind fill in the gaps about you. And in letting my mind fill in the gaps about you, I create a stigma that now is trying to attach itself subconsciously and by way of the spirit to all who look like you concerning me. From, from my point of view now, this is from my point of view. So from my point of view, I stigmatize and label people. And as I do that, I, I don't allow who it is that they really are to really be flourish and explore and be able to bless my life and me be able to do me able to do the same with them. Now, if everybody on the planet is behaving that way, then we just one to another are creating and throwing stigmas and labels at one another, and in doing so, creating this chaotic experience to where everyone is being encased in. And the glory is trying to be subverted. That is on our life. This is what we see happening with Jabez. The label of pain and sorrow. The label of you ain't never going to get this right. You're going to be just like your dad. Y'all not talking to me on the internet. I don't know why. You going to keep producing the same thing. You are going to constantly keep being in and out and back and forth and be a do nothing. With your life. When these words and things are released in the atmosphere, whether they're in joke or whether they are out of anger and out of frustration. And let me talk to my parents once again. I know you might hit frustrating moments with your children. I hit them too when they're disobedient and don't want to do what they're supposed to do. But what I cannot do is allow my voice, especially as a father, allow my 
voice to come over them. Me could get stepped for them. In a moment of emotion of emotional wretchedness, me could get stepped outside of my role as their father and pronounce something over them that can create a label on their life that does not fit the profile of heaven. In the name of Jesus, I call for every parent that is on this broadcast to recommit yourself back to declaring what thus says the Lord over your babies. I will declare what God said about my babies so that when they leave out of the house, they have been properly trained. I will not add to what I already know they're going into. I'm a training center so that when my babies leave us, y'all going to be straight. You ain't got to worry about that. Oh, they said that about you? You ain't got to worry about it. Mom and dad already took care of that. We took care of that. Because your entire life, we've been declaring what God told us about you. And now let me say this, because I sense this by way of the Spirit. For parents who your children are grown and gone, and when they were in those formative years, you didn't know the Lord, didn't, didn't have the knowledge that you have now about the power of words. And there's some things that you may have declared over them and spoken over them. And I want you feeling guilty in this time. Don't feel a sense of condemnation because there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. But what you can do is now go before the Lord and get another strategy. As to who it is that they have been called to be. And start today. Today. They're at my house. That doesn't mean the word can't get to them. Start today. Declaring over their life. What it is. And who it is. Rather. That God's called them to be. This. Whew, I feel this message right here. Labels. Stigmas. Labels. Things based off of personality quirks. Things based off of mistakes. Things based off of, of, of somebody's relationship with someone else. That have been given over and said and spoken to you. Given over, said, spoken, declared over you. And you find yourself in this wrestling match. Your, your, your entire life, you got this wrestling match of knowing that there's something greater. Knowing that there's something more. But I just feel like that there, there's just something I just can't seem to get away from. I just can't seem to drop this habit. I just can't seem to get ahead. I, I put three steps forward. I'll be doggone if five steps don't knock me back. Every time I, I feel like I'm moving forward, there's just something that continues to hold me down. I want to suggest to you that what you might be dealing with is a label and a stigma that has encased itself around you and has tried to keep the barriers and the freedom that you know that you're supposed to have from you being able to actually taste and experience it in a real way. Something that has been encased on you. Another narrative. That has tried to arrest you. 
based off of her experience and what she went through in giving him birth. Not him being disobedient. Not him talking back. Not an experience actually with him as a person. But based off of things that happened of no fault of his own, he finds himself in a situation to where he has to deal with everyone calling him pain. Everyone labels this brother as you are sorry. You sorry. You nothing. Everyone picks up the same profile and the same narrative based off the progenitor of his mother not being able to properly see the moment. Have you ever? Need I ask the question? Yes, I'm going to ask it. Have you ever been in a situation, had things, said, done, where you find yourself dealing with this label. I don't even know how I got it. Did, did, did I do something to get this? Did, did I did do something for you to be responding to me this way? Is it something that came from me? Because it came from me, perhaps I can correct it. And perhaps we can work through this thing. But if it did not come from me, and you for some reason find it okay to call me pain and sorrow. How do I deal with that? How, how, how do I deal with an encasement that tries to suck the life out of me before I even show up? That's the unfair warfare strategy. That your enemy tries to wage on you. Stuff you out before you even get started. Good tactic. Catch you before you get strong. If I can label you. If I can stigmatize you. If I can hit you with a label. Before you get started. It is going to be easier for me to get you to believe it. Because everything that we are saying only holds precedence because Jabez believed it. How could he not? It's his mother calling him that. How could he not believe that he was nothing more than sorry? The one closest to him. Ignorance doesn't matter. The power of words. Proverbs 18, 21. Power of life and death being where? In the tongue. Classic example of a false narrative making its way into the recesses of Jabez's soul. He accepts and claims it as truth. Now we got a problem. 
Because what has happened now is an accepted label over in a certain amount of time is going to produce a certain mindset within me. And producing a certain mindset within me, although there is a heavy, there is a heavy, heavy cry of the glory that we discussed that was already on him. That's the word honorable. Remember that. He was more honorable than his brothers. So he's got this already, and there's this cry to escape, and there's this cry of something more. But because of the mindset that has been instituted by way of being called pain. And sorrow and label, label after label after label. I, I got this cry, but I just can't seem to escape. I think I'm talking to somebody. I said, I think I'm talking to somebody. I know that there's something there. But I feel like I just can't seem to get it. I just can't seem to break out because of this mindset that has been placed within. That's why I really think that I can't achieve more. I really think that I don't know about that. That 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 ain't that ain't for me. I don't I don't learn fast. Don't don't you turn this off. Let this word hit you. It really ain't. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the best in school, so, you know. Well, you know, mom, mama dealt with it. Grandma's relationship really wasn't worth nothing, so, with granddaddy, so, I mean, I guess divorce was on its way anyway. Daddy tried that business once. Died in debt. I ain't trying to go that business route. I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. And all of these small rationales that we give and call it being cautious, call it being discerning, when in fact it is a mask of I am scared and God did not. Give us the spirit of fear. Anything that comes from God must have the qualifications of power, love, and sound mindedness. That's what gives this the credence. Yet the mindset that I continue to bash against that has been created by labels and stigmas and unaddressed continues to hold me in so opportunity comes to you and you abandon it out of fear you don't even consult God you just get scared and run and you call that God when in actuality you really didn't pursue him I just I'm scared of losing again talk to me I'm scared of losing again and so in being scared to lose again, I push away. But yet I will create hope in myself by decreeing strong city church financial declarations. I will create hope in myself 
by listening to the word because, because the word going to do what it's supposed to do. You being connected to the promises of God and you being connected to anybody that is feeding you the word, the word is going to do what it's supposed to do. But what's going to happen is if I don't address the mindset, if I don't take the time to address that, I'm going to keep creating this frustration within me and I am suggested to us that to get ourselves back on the right narrative we've got to address the mindset by way of looking at that I am in agreement with I've got to see what's what's going on internally inside of me that's keeping this kingdom narrative from coming alive to the fullness that it is supposed to come to I've got to address it. I've got to look at it. I've got to see what it is that is going on. So we talked about how, how what, when, when a label is constantly repeated, I hear myself continually say it. I'm pondering on it. I'm thinking on it. It has become a mindset. When I begin to believe what has been spoken over me, it creates a pattern of thought that controls my behavior in certain environments because you got to understand your internal perceptions are what drive your life here in the earth. It's internal perceptions that drive that. It's the paradigm that drives that. And paradigm does mean mindset, but paradigm more so goes into a subconscious thought, what you are thinking when you're not thinking. What, what, is, what is your nucleus base thought about yourself? And most people's is not good, and it's not high. That's why when most of us are asked, what's your real purpose and real call in life, we answer, I don't know. We answer, I don't know, because we don't think we are worth the time to actually do that kind of work and figure out what that is. So we will give more time to job, give more time to the creation of paycheck so that I can survive, then I will going into the recesses of the image bearer in me to figure out who in the world did God make me to be? And what is perpetuating that cycle? A label and a stigma. That got in you that says you're not worth it. And so subconsciously, I live from that. And I can shout when it's appropriate and fool you, but I go right back to the house. Encased, in pain, encased, in sorrow, encased, in sorry, encased, and you're never going to make it, encased, and you wasting your time. Encased. You know, you know, when you hear a thought, any anytime there there is an introduction of another thought to you, you have about 30 seconds to decide whether you're gonna accept it as truth or not. Thirty seconds. Because because what, what the paradigm has done is it has created a default. See, all of this stuff being unaddressed creates a default. So although you might have high moments and be able to smile when it's right and say the right thing to the right people, you still got this default that says you're sorry. 
So because I'm living from that, whenever a new truth is introduced to me, I got 30 seconds as to whether I'm going to let it actually impact me or I'm just going to play the game and let the default paradigm of me not being worth it continue to rest around me. And that's why when the, when the word of God comes in and is interjected, you need to do something physical to show that you are accepting another paradigm. That's why we tell you to amen. That's why we pray. Praise God. That's why you need to lift your hand. That's why you need to sow seed. All of that stuff that we say do is a physical demonstration that I am accepting another paradigm. I know this ain't true. I got to figure out where this is at and I got to accept something different. Hey! There is another paradigm another narrative that you got first with my amnesia took it away from me. And then by way of people being inappropriate and not understanding the weight of their words will say something else and create this prison. But I know there's something more. That's why it's so important for you to have a steady diet of the word of God. Because you've got to combat any kind of paradigm or profile that does not match heavens. It must be addressed. It is an issue and a matter of life and death. And that's why in this time right now, we ain't going to be watching over the internet uh, forever. But while you're doing it now and there's something that hits you, you need to take the time to type amen. You need to take the time to type hallelujah. I agree with you, Pastor. Whatever it is that you need to do, you got to do something physical so that it is showing your default paradigm. I'm not finna let you stay here and not be confronted. Because if you're not telling me something that is, that is about me within the word of God and about me in heaven, I'm not accepting you. I'm not accepting you. And this is what takes me. I'm, I'm, I'm ending. I'm ending here. Not that kind of end. I'm getting, getting toward the end though. Still got a little holler in me left. Give me verse 10, Tristan. Because what we're about to see is how Jabez dealt with this thing. Because there's this label and this stigma and this issue that is constantly following him. And he says, I must address this if I'm really going to live out to the fullness of who God has made me to be so Jabez called on the God of Israel calls on the God of Israel God of Israel in this text is the word Elohim Elohim means God is my judge let me, let me, let me. the final say on who I am God is my ruler and judge, and he's the one that has the final say on who I am. God help me. He interjects. When you, when God has many names, okay? 
The names of God are, are just, just numerous. They're numerous because they're based on who it is that we need him to be. He addressed himself to Moses. When Moses asked, who is it that I need to tell Pharaoh that I'm coming on behalf of? Well, excuse me. Who is it I need to tell the children of Israel that, that I'm coming on behalf of? He said, you tell them that I am who I am. Or in other words, I am blank. I am, you fill it in. What is that saying? God is saying, whatever it is that you need me to be in the time that you need me to be, I'm going to be there. So I am healing. I am deliverance. I am breakthrough. I am grace. I am mercy. I am favor. I am the savior. I am the first. I am the last. I am alpha. I am omega. I am all in all. I am that I am. I am. His name. But in this text, Jabez did not need healing from sickness. Jabez didn't need money. Jabez didn't need favor. Jabez needed someone to judge him appropriately. And so he calls on Elohim. Elohim being the one who is the ruler and judge and being the judge, the only one who can properly judge because he has all of the information. The best judge is the one that has all the information. That's why you've been told not to judge. You don't have all the information. I can't judge. I don't have all the information. And so he calls on the God of Israel, Elohim, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Come on here. And enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. That I may cause no pain. What are we seeing? We see here that the way to combat and deal with a narrative that does not match the profile of heaven is for the introduction of a narrative changing blessing. You might not be able to see what I just wrote, but I wrote the word blessing. A narrative-changing blessing was introduced by, J by Jabez's request. Now, when you look at this word that you would bless me indeed, when you dig it down, it digs down all the way back to that word bless that I told you to hold on to in Genesis 1. Jabez is requesting that you take me Back to the original intent of who you made me to be. Take me back to what it is that you set and established over my life. Allow that blessing to be stronger than any amount of pain, any amount of sorrow, any amount of you can't do it, any amount of that's not for you, any amount of you don't belong in this neighborhood, any amount of you don't belong here or there, any amount of you can't do that job, any amount of you can't have that any amount of you were not born for this any amount of whatever it is that someone would label and stigma allow the blessing of God to raise you up bless me indeed oh that you would bless me indeed oh that you would institute the original back to me that you would reintroduce me back to this blessing so that it combats my default paradigm. We've seen this before. Genesis chapter 12. Give, give me that, Tristan. Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at what we've seen this before. A narrative changing blessing 
being introduced. But in order for it to truly seep and take full effect like it needs to, it has to, it has to uh, challenge you on the paradigm that you currently hold. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, check it out, get out of your country. Excuse me. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse them and curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Give me verse 1 please Tristan and let's leave it right there. Get out of your country. Get out of your family. Get from your father's house. What, what do all those represent? They represent the formation of a paradigm. They represent the formation by way of labels and stigmas and things that have been attached to him based off of where he's been from all his life. And God is saying that I got something great for you. I got this blessing and what it is I'm going to rest on you. And you can dig it back to exactly the same thing that I placed on Adam when I was talking to him and I placed on man from the beginning. I've got this blessing that I've always called for all of mankind to walk and be in. But in order for that to stick and for it to attach, I have got to get you out your country I've got to get you from your family I've got to get you from your father's house I got to get you from what you accustomed to I got to get you from what you're familiar with because all of those things are going to build within you something that will combat what it is that I want to cause you to break out paradigm has got to be shifted and has got to be broken and has got to be reconstructed in the way that fits the profile of heaven the kingdom narrative the kingdom narrative so go go back to uh, verse 10 please of uh, first chronicles first chronicles 4 i just wanted to show where we have seen that before so all that you will bless me indeed elohim the god who is true judge of my life I'm calling upon your blessing. Inaugural mandate from God. Bless them and told them be fruitful, multiply some, do and have dominion. The same blessing. Why is it the same blessing? Because God only got one. There are not multiple blessings. There's one. Have dominion. Because that's the only one you need. I don't need another one. Everything else that I need is encased in that one blessing. Seek first the kingdom. God Almighty, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God is a genius and has built his system in such a way that if you would just take on this paradigm that has called you to be strong, called you to be mighty, called you and delegated authority, everything else that you need will be added. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God. And be the image bearer. Be the image bearer. So Jabez said, I am not going to accept any longer being sorry. I think, I think personally, if you would just engage, allow me to engage my imagination, he hit a point where he said, I don't know who they think they're talking to. But I have had it with being told I'm sorry. I have had it with my personal midnight thoughts leading me into spaces and places to where I don't want to live anymore. Come on. Talk to me. Come on. 
leading me into spaces and places within the confines of my own mind to where I feel like it would be better if I wouldn't even own the planet. I'm talking to you. This message is for you. He addresses that by calling on the God of Israel. I know one who got all the information. And I've been told that if I call on his name, that he will respond and he would answer. I was told that even in my deepest and darkest moment, if I would just cry out to him, somebody would hear me. And then in the midst of all this folk calling me pain and calling me sorrow, when I call out, they might not hear me, but I heard that there was someone that when I called out to them that they would answer me. So, oh, that you would bless me indeed and that you would enlarge my territory. Stretch out my borders. Stretch out my boundaries. And with us talking within the context of mindset and thought processes and paradigms, he is asking God to stretch his capacity to think on the level of who he truly is. I need you, God, to reintroduce me back to this blessing that causes a massive breaking out. No matter how uncomfortable that makes me feel, because whether we want to admit it or not, when we build those default paradigms, although they might be destructive and be dysfunctional, they're comfortable. They're comfortable. They have a sense of comfort to it because although it's dysfunctional, at least I'm used to it. At least I'm used to it. I'm used to making this amount of money. I'm used to only having this and that. But what if there is something more? What if... There's something more to a greater degree that God is wanting you to have and possess. Now listen now, anybody that know me, you know good and well. I'm not talking about just material possession. And I'm not just talking about you being able to get the next level cabin and the carnival cruise and being able to get the next car and all of that. If God bless you with that, that's fantastic. God bless you. But what I'm talking about is you living on a larger scale internally and you living from the viewpoint of who God made you to be. The more, the vastness, the anointing, the fatness that is inside. Isaiah 10 and 27, the yoke would be destroyed and the burden would be removed because of, some translations literally say because of the fatness. That word fatness is anointing. There is an anointing and something more that God has placed within you by way of that original blessing. But you have got to be able to think on that same level and have a capacity that is able to hold it. So he's so God, he's asking God to stretch his capacity to think on that level of who he truly is, break in and disrupt my default paradigm and system that is placing boundaries and stigmas and labels on me that are not true. I need you to enlarge my territory. 
So what is being said here? There will be a season of discomfort as you are being enlarged. And if you are currently experiencing some sense of discomfort, could it be that God is doing nothing more than expanding and enlarging your territory? You ask for him to use you. You ask for God to tell you who you really are. And in telling you who you really are, there may be some time where you've got to go into rooms that don't make you comfortable. you got to engage in conferences and conversations that don't make you feel comfortable you got to be around people that make you feel like you're not intelligent and it's not that that feeling is true what is happening is your default paradigm is rising up trying to say you don't belong here but you've got to challenge that default paradigm and say I'm gonna stay right here until there's an enlargement out and I see myself exactly how God taught me to see myself kingdom paradigm that your hand would be with me. Let's talk about it. Let's ask him for God's guidance. And when you dig this down, hand also can, be, can mean reputation. God, I want your reputation to be with me. I want the reputation of God to follow me everywhere that I am. And in following me everywhere that I am, I know that, that I will begin to be seen appropriately. And with him making this request, he, he, he is moving from the prison of the false paradigm and the, the, um, the thought patterns, the habits that were created by that paradigm, which caused him to go toward people for validation. Now he has crossed over to where now he is seeking God's applause, God's validation, God's approval. Which might put him at odds with mama. May put him at odds with family. But sometimes that's a sacrifice that just has to be made. Now, please don't hear from this. That you need to be disrespectful to parents or be disrespectful to family. That is not what I am saying. But what I am saying is to experience the true breakout of the paradigm that you're supposed to walk in. You're going to have to make sure that the top validation that you receive, the one that matters to you most, is from the Lord. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. I'm done, Ryan. Go ahead. That I might not cause pain. That I might not cause pain. Now, if you've been keeping up, you remember that his name means pain and sorrow. And so he interjects or calls on God to interject a narrative changing blessing. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil so that I don't live up to what I've been called. I will not allow that to be my narrative. And because I'm not allowing that to be my narrative, God, I need you to give me another one. God, I want you to give me another one so that I'm not confined by the parameters of my culture and my environment that I was placed in. So that I don't, I don't, I don't stop engaging in a sense of adventure and risk or allow risk to run me away 
because that's what my culture and environment from that default paradigm taught me. That I would stop allowing opportunities to blow over and pass me by because I'm scared, but I don't have enough self-assessment and self-awareness enough to be honest about that because I came up in a culture to where I hide what's really going on in me and I learned to survive but could it be and I truly believe so that God had just called you to survive in fact God did not call you to survive at all ever there is one gear in the kingdom abundant thrive subdue reign lead and that's who you've been called to be my last thought the blessing that Jabez asked for encompassed within it increasing of his capacity God's hand being with him him being kept from evil by way of godly wisdom and as a result of him having all this he would not cause pain and he would live beyond what he was defined as. Now listen to that. Increasing of his capacity, God's hand being with him, him being kept from evil by way of godly wisdom. That sounds familiar. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. The model prayer given by the king, everything I just said, increasing of capacity, God's hand being with him. That is the kingdom. Jabez asked for the kingdom. Study the prayer. He asked for the kingdom. And in receiving the kingdom, he does not live up to the false paradigm. <laughs> he doesn't live up to the false paradigm. So if I want to banish and, and retract from my life anything that tries to attach itself to me consciously, subconsciously, things that were said over me when I didn't know what was going on, all my experiences as a child, all my experiences as a young adult, it, it, for those uh, uh, senior citizens that might be watching us, everything that you've done throughout your entire life, all of that does not have to imprison you, ma'am. It doesn't have to imprison you, sir. All and lock within you walking in the true call of who God made you to be. You will grow too big and too strong for that false paradigm. To where it is not able to encase you. And my, my very last thought, I know I said that about two or three times. Whenever we see blessing being introduced to people or being set upon people in scripture, a lot of times God changes their name. Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah, Jacob, Israel. Jabez doesn't get a name change. There's a blessing that's placed on him, yet his name does not change. Because rather than him being called something different, God just decided to intervene and change the definition. They're going to call you the same thing. But it's not going to mean the same thing. 
They're going to call you the very same name. But this time when they say it, they're pronouncing blessing over you. God, hear me today. I believe with everything in me that there's a redefinition that's about to break forth on you. That's my message, family. I'm done. There's a redefinition by way of the kingdom narrative that's coming on your life. This word was so heavy in me this week because it was, it was real to me. Everything God says to me is real. But I knew that we together were going to ride high on this one because there have been labels and stigmas that have been spoken that attached themselves, kept you from breaking out. But by way of the blessing of the kingdom narrative being reintroduced back to you, your name means something different now. What you have been called means something different now. And it carries a greater weight to it. You are an image bearer with a delegated authority. It is time for you to rise up and walk as such, think as such, behave as such, spend as such, study as such, gain competence as such, be top in your industry as such, be the best as such. There's greatness within you. And it is time for it to be released. So I bless you with this word. We thank you, God, for your word that has come forth. Thank you, God. I know I feel stronger than when this first began. Thank you for your narrative-changing blessing that disrupts our default paradigms, God. And erroneous concepts that we come up about ourselves that does not fit the profile of heaven. Pray that all week, all our lives, the rest of our days, faulty paradigms are confronted so that we rise up to be those kingdom ambassadors and top in our industries as you have called us to be. Dominion is our portion. And we want to walk out of it, walk in it, walk it out to the degree and the fullness that you've called us to, Lord. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, family. Thank you so much for being with us today. Pray that this, this entire service bless your soul. We'll see you next week.